Wendy Epstein. Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits. Here at the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. You will find it on the map, darling. (laughs) We are on the map. Yeah. Hey, everyone. This is Liza, and I'm large and not in charge. (laughs) (laughs) I just, uh, yeah. (laughs) It just escapes me. In the room tonight. Ooh. Ooh. No competition. You are. He's promoted. You are promoted. Henry, exotic number one today. What's up? <laughs> now, how do you feel to be in such a lofty position, Henry? I, I mean, you are the number one exotic. I feel like I need to be adjusting my valves on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a very important Not question. Not euphemism. Do you think you can fill Knox's shoes? Uh-oh. Wait a minute. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. I hear rumblings. Well, let's just keep going around the room, because I think by the time he comes oh, in here, we'll get no! into Oh, no! Oh, no! <laughs> We just promoted Henry to exotic number one. How fucking dare you. And then you came in. (laughs) Knox demoted. Zero. So I'll let you guys get situated as we keep going around. We're just introducing everyone. Sitting next to me, it's Sarah. Bonsoir, mes amis. I say it. I know French, too. Fromage. Fromage. (laughs) That's my French. <laughs> Running the board tonight. It's Bagel. Ausgezeichnet. Stop <laughs> <laughs> that. On the classy girl couch tonight. Everybody's favorite. It's Miss Emma. Oh, bonjour, mes amis. Après moi, le deluge. Does that sound about you have a lot of water coming out of you? Is that what you said? I just know something about. No, it's it's. There's you and a deluge. No, it's 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 French for I gotta go pee pee. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Got it. (laughs) Allegedly. Also on the classic girl couch night, joining us for the first time, it's Wendy. Uh, Hi everyone. Um, You can't win if you if you don't finish. And are we finished yet? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. We're going to torment you for a little while longer, Wendy. I'm sorry, darling. (laughs) Also joining us for the first time, it's Corey. Hey, everyone. Glad to be here. Thanks for joining us. All right. Going around to the train side of the room. Toot, toot. The man with a voice for radio. It's Morgan. Oui, oui, baguette. (laughs) (laughs) That got me damp. So damp. (laughs) All right. Let's see how he's going to top that. Anything to do with bread products. (laughs) (laughs) It's Brandon. Omelette de fromage. Oh, Oh, baguette some fromage. Can't go wrong with that. I don't know. I I heard something about a cheese dick. That's all I know. (laughs) I think there's something you can do about that. Now I'm hungry again. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Coming in late. Oh, man. But making it on time. It's a naked gym. Naked. I don't know what the fuck y'all are talking about. <laughs> Peace, love, and soul, nonetheless. 
Oh, I feel bad about this. I feel bad Damn that I have Will to shit. demote him for tonight. Exactly. Yeah. Like oh, whoa, the promotion Dolly. is Can sticking. I? You get to stick in the know. corner. It's all right. What you, it's all wait, right. wait. Dude, what if don't give a fuck? Instead care. of number two, what if he's exotic <gasps> A, and then Henry's number one? No, and no. We have an no, no, no. We need an exotic number two in here. Fine. I'll give I'll give him this. How about this? He can be no numbers. Let's go with the funny exotic. It's uh, not. Uh, <laughs> I'm the dude playing the dude disguised as another dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That worked out perfectly. Well, so Wendy and Corey, I hope this is just our intro. I hope it's gotten you primed for what oh. what's in store. I doubt we're ready for this. <laughs> Most people aren't. <laughs> if you survive the premiere. You're ready for this. <laughs> um, oh, that was so good. I guess, you know, let's... Uh, this is when we talk about what we did today, and one of the bigger things that we did today... Well, we did a lot. We did a lot, but we... There was a uh, world preview. Mm. World premiere. Of? Our new short film. Oh, my God, it's funny. Motosexual. It is... Yay! <laughs> Hold on a minute, <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Vroom, oh, yeah. It's definitely, right. it's, oh, yeah. It's definitely soft porn, though. <laughs> There's no question about it. I mean... Is that because is... it makes your penis soft when you watch it? I wouldn't know. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it does that, no. So, I'm just curious. Um, Wendy, first time to the garage... You show up as we are starting this movie. I just come out and say, hi, nice to meet you. Come on and sit right here and watch this. So you knew nothing about what you'd walked into. What did you think of the movie? Uh, well, it was it was shocking. Um, <laughs> it's like I've never seen so many war crimes committed in 15 minutes. But I've been shocked before. So uh, I felt right at home. and um, It was all in good fun, I feel. Yeah. So, all right. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We've we're, we're still working on some edits, but um, for the most part, yeah, I'm pretty proud of it. This yeah. was something that, uh, again, like with Sobbing Scooterist, I kind of had the idea. Then I pitched it to Mike. He kind of he takes it to the next level, and then we brought on another filmmaker, Drew, and he got it. And then we brought on Misfits. So it stars Cat uh, and Justin mm-hmm. and. Uh, Isaac, and you know it's so lovely to see Isaac Isaac's in it. In mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, Isaac's great. in it. Uh-huh. He's got right. pretty eyes for a Playing. guy. He does. Well, no, but he. he when I'm not going to reveal too much. Isaac plays the skeptic, but he comes through in the end. <laughs> <laughs> He's so and good. I had a cameo. I had a bit part in it. Yeah, but the role that the role that I imagine that the role that I am proudest of that's in the credits was your cameo. No, is I am credited as the sex scene coach. (laughs) She did a good job. (laughs) Yeah, that that was pretty funny. It was up there with when I had to teach uh, Jake's boyfriend how to do a a strip tease. So, so I mean, we're bragging about this film. Yeah. How's everyone going to see it? It's not out yet. We so. got some more editing. We previewed it today so we can get a little bit of feedback, but we are going to be releasing it soon. You, there was a audio test audience, huh? No, that's Did good. you make yeah. them fill out forms afterwards? <laughs> that's good for YouTube flagged it, and they're like, we don't know if we're going to let this go. <laughs> I mean, in terms of production quality, you have Schindler's List up here, then you have this one like right next to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's that Schindler's, Schindler's List or Schindler's Fist? Yes, yes. <laughs> because we are, we are talking about porn here. <laughs> Well uh, but then. no, I yeah. So I was really glad to 
to have that to be something to show. Yeah, it was it's quite, something it was, that started as an idea and it just went to that. So my my advice to anyone before you watch this, take a cold shower. <laughs> or pre- be prepared to take a cold shower afterwards. It was actually, it was steamier than I thought it was going to be. I was going to say be prepared to take a Silkwood shower. Uh, yes. But I don't know if that reference goes over anymore. I will say, I think, I haven't I seen it yet, but I, I, I know the casting was very well done. So Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but we got some other stuff done today. Yeah, well, I had a nice surprise when I showed up because... Um, I showed up right on time today. Mm, you did, thank you. There you go. And I'd already been in Santa Cruz. I'd been pushing breakfast into the old Emma face at Santa Cruz Diner. And um, I showed up right at 11. And who was waiting, aside from yourself? Matt. From Law Tigers! It's always good to see... It's always good to see Matt. He's such a solid cat. And, um, yeah... Yeah, he was down. Uh, he came down to pick up my CRF to take it. Um, he's going to have it at our Wurwur events, mm-hmm. um, which, by the way, I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm leaving tomorrow morning to go pick up my Indian motorcycle and go up to Canada and pick up the baton and start this ride. Nice. Right. Yeah, so I will be gone the next three weeks, and I'm leaving you all in charge. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> No, we're, we're, we're going to be fine without you, Liza. Three, weeks of, <laughs> three weeks of scooters. Oh, don't worry. It's just, like, it's just like when you're like, oh, you, to your parents, oh, no, I'm fine. I, uh, I'm good. Just give me some right. money for pizza and have fun on your trip. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I know exactly. I know exactly. Oh, yeah. So uh, how can we follow you from on, like, on the road? Good question. I Thank you for the answer. (laughs) (laughs) The Women Writers World Relay Facebook page, we're going to be doing a lot of Facebook Lives, stuff like that. Right. Did you ever get your GPS shit out of fucking Pakistan? Mm, no. <laughs> oh, man. I wonder where yeah, it is. Get no, no their military is using it right now. They're reverse engineering it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so I'll be, I'll be sending messages. I'm sure you guys will be following and giving updates. Right. Um, but, yeah, it was great to see Matt. He will be there on the road. And uh, there were some other people who came by. I got some stuff yeah. done. You were out there. Doing, doing stuff. Shucking and jiving. Exactly. Um, we did chain and sprockets on a KTM, which was remarkably easy. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what kind of KTM? Little 390. Yeah. But, you know, Brandon, is, if you remember, he's... Brendan. Brendan, he's the young man who uh, changed the complete... That little Duke 390. Yeah. So I have With a, the exploded rear shock at one point? Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. What, what's the easiest way, to, when you bring one into... What's the easiest way to get the, the sprocket bolts off? Like on like a rear wheel stand. How did you guys do that? Well, I don't. You That's the whole down. point. Yeah. I mean, the, the wheel comes out, and then the wheel becomes the actual stand. You so go. you just lay the wheel down flat, and you've got, you know, especially if there's plenty of manpower about it, you can just lay the wheel down flat on the ground on something that's non-slip, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a, a rubber floor tile. And then you've got all the leverage you need to undo the bolts. Right. You know, you don't struggle with them. And that's exactly what we did. How about we're uh, his chain and sprockets? Bad. Terrible. Bad. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much like everybody's. Yeah. Whenever I mean, you're like, I think I should do my chain and sprockets. Generally, like, yeah. if somebody comes down to the Misfits and says, oh, I need to do my chain and sprockets, it's Pascal. not going to be like, oh, 
oh well maybe until next week it's like oh my god it's how the hell did you yeah. make There's it down yeah. here fewer than 10 teeth um, remaining yeah yeah but the noises that thing was making <laughs> biblical so um so we had, we had a good good day today but I'm thinking maybe not as good as Jim's weekend. Oh, Jim. Yeah. Jim, I am a very excited to know because you just walked in. You've been gone for a few days. Yeah. And you took your uh, your rally, your 250 rally for its inaugural ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did it go? Oh, it was fucking great. I thought it was yeah. going to be able to kick back and drink a beer for a bit and listen to your guy's story for the night. But, uh, <laughs> uh, no, we had a great time. So... Um, yeah, it was fucking great. A, I'm back in one piece, which is always, yes. as we know, good. And so is the bike. But and does the bike still run? Yeah. Hey, bonus. Did yeah. you uh, <laughs> did you cut all the plastic off yet? No. No. But I do have an interesting uh, mechanical thing to talk about later. But it okay. was great. So me and Mike, me uh, and Mike went up four time. Yeah. Mikey four oh, times. Hey. Four times. Right. So we rolled up to the Sierras on Thursday night, Thursday night or that direction. We left Thursday after work, stayed in Angels Camp. And uh, stayed the night there, you know, had a good night's sleep, woke up, had breakfast, and then bounded up to Bear Valley. Mm-hmm. So it's Highway 4 past Arnold, up at about uh, like 7,000 feet, 8,000 feet in that neighborhood. Wow. So, excuse me. <laughs> good to have you back. I know, right? <laughs> Beer tastes good. And, um, and then we went off, uh, off a road to a place called Utica Reservoir. And we had never been there. And, you know, like a lot of people know where all the great places are up in the Sierras, and I'm not one of them. So I do a lot of exploring, and it's pretty hit or miss. But this looked pretty cool. So it was way up uh, at, a, at a lake, and it was fucking gorgeous. So it's real high alpine stuff, just about where the tree line begins to stop. And it was Ooh. just lakes and like mm. granite and granite sheets. And Mike was tripping, and I was tripping too. And uh, Sounds epic. It was fucking epic. As it was Mike, Mike said that a lot that day uh, when we were there. But it really yeah. was. It was like it was really cool. So um, we go up there, you know, take the truck and get up there early enough. And there were other people around. It wasn't like it was super desolate, like when I go to the desert. But you know, there were there were better sites than other. And it was all kind of on the lake or on a, all like on the lake or not. And we'd have found the one that was it was fucking great. So it was in the red in the whatever those big ass trees are with a bunch of rock outcropping croppings around. So we ended up going up into the rocks and putting our tents up there. So oh, that's it was, awesome. Yeah, dude, it's like you could see just forever, and uh, and you could see down to the water and whatnot. And uh, but then the riding was fun. Um, so it was it was very much dual sport riding. So where we went in to get to actual where most of the fire roads were, you had to ride about. 20 minutes to get out to the main road highway four Whoa. um yeah and uh and then you could then you could work your way into trail systems and um so yeah if you're gonna buy a dirt bike buy a plated dirt bike because mm-hmm. of this kind of shit and actually and it wasn't bad because the roads were fucking beautiful i mean we're hauling ass on you know dirt bike tires at 15 pounds of, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it was still fun and uh but then you go into these trail systems that were just fucking unbelievable. It was, it was the most beautiful and varied riding I'd ever been in besides the desert. Oh, cool. Like, I was expecting fire roads where it's, like, kind of flat and you're in the woods. Or maybe mm-hmm. it's, like, that base, like, different grades of base rock, right? That's really what it is. When we got off the road, um, this is about 7,500 feet, where we went into As soon as we got into it, it was almost single track, like, either oh. motorcycle or Jeep crawler shit. But it was fun. Cool. It wasn't overly hard, but it was challenging, but it was relentless. It was nonstop. And uh, and then the higher we got up, the better the views got. And then we got into sections that were a little bit more chill. Um, but it was the variety was the best part about it. And it's one of those rides where you, A, have to be mindful of navigation. 
Because once you get back six or seven miles off, you know, whatever main road it is, you're back there. And a lot of the riding, none of it was like you didn't want to have to tow or push a bike out of there, if that was even possible. Wow. Uh, yeah, because it was, it was everything from pretty much rocks everywhere, but like uh, everything from base rocky type roads with gravel to it narrows down. Then it opens up to a uh, basically just a sea of baby head baby head boulders oh shit like yeah up up oh, a hill man. as far as you can see and then it fucking turns so what i'm hearing is proper <laughs> yeah. trail riding yeah but these are but on the map they're like fucking forest service roads yeah they're like just be fucking chill and that's one thing i've learned about nice. in the national forests up mm. there is don't underestimate them mm. but it was still fun riding it was challenging it was interesting and it was really varied so it was everything from a, a lot of like kind of rock shit to silt to like in the forest where it was real rich and it had rained there i think a few days prior when that rain came through here it must have mm-hmm. rained up there so that was really nice too that's, um, that's a rewarding day of riding i think yeah it really was compared to like going to hollister where it's super dry right now and it's fucking shit's cratered out and all that so how did the rally do the, a lot of people say that the the honda 250 is a underpowered bike the rally specifically yeah how did it perform so so I'll say this. So it's the rally, and I weigh about 215, 218, right? That's that's what I weigh in at. The thing's stock. And I'll say it's underpowered, but it did everything it needed to do. Good. I was never left hanging on a hill climb. Um, we did some... So we rode up to a fucking ski area, Bear Valley, right? We're <laughs> yeah. like, look at that. Let's, so we rode literally <laughs> up to ski trails. Oh, that's, oh, that's fucking cool. boss, dude. Yeah, next thing you know, we're at the fucking Wakamame, whatever, express trail <laughs> lift and all this crazy shit. And um, so even in the, it was a lot of loose rock, a lot of just big rock, a lot of pretty much everything. But it, it you had a lot sometimes really get on the throttle and really use the clutch, but never left me hanging. And, and the same with Mike's, the KLX250, yeah. I think they both perform very similar. You know, I was running the uh, Moto Z Tractionator ITs at 15 mm-hmm. pounds with just regular tubes and no uh, rim locks, which was a concern of mine. Mm-hmm. But after this, it was like, because we, we were up in the fucking ski lift messing around, and Mike is a great travel companion. <laughs> if you ever have to take a, chance, a trip to take a trip with Mike, it's fucking hilarious. It's gotten a lot better from what I understand. Well, <laughs> a, he's funny as shit, yeah, he is. and he's got his shit together. Yeah. Like, you know, when you're ready to go for a ride, he's ready. When you're ready to pack up or do whatever. Um, yeah, but we're up at this tree area, uh, up at this ski area, and we end up going down like, well, instead of reading the trail map, we just start looking at the ski sign. Like, <laughs> this trail or like Blue Diamond, fucking Black Diamond, whatever it is. I don't know. But next thing you know, we're bombing down this single track, and it's just straight up fucking, we're off the, we're off the reservation. It's just single track down the fucking mountain somewhere. And um, yeah, and eventually we were like, eh, like I got a feeling I'm like this. It actually, Liza, remember, remember when me, you, and Seamus when you said, "Hey, Seamus, get us lost," and he did. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it didn't work out so good. It reminded me of that, and I'm like, dude, let's turn around. So we did, but we had to power up this real loose, like loamy, rocky, fucking. Oh, that's awful. Redwoody. Yeah, but the thing was, I was on the throttle the whole way, a lot of clutch, but the thing fucking tore up it for about, you know. And that was my next question, because you're both on small capacity bikes, or relatively speaking, they both did really well? They did well. If if I was on, like, say, a a DRZ400, that would have been better. Or a WR250R. But, that would you know, better, but the bike did everything right. we needed to do. There's no such thing as the perfect bike because right. you're going to be in situations where, yeah, I'd like a DRZ400, yeah. and then you're going to be in situations where 
DRZ two four hundred's way too big for right. this, and I'm glad I'm on a two hundred and fifty. Yeah. So you just got to take the overall. And Mike charges Mike charges so hard. So um, <laughs> we were at the ski lift place, and these fucking like two stroke dudes, you know the two stroke dudes, <laughs> two stroke guy, yeah, they're fucking jamming man. up this because you can kind of ride wherever the fuck you want. It's great, and where the chairlift like takes you off the top of the mountain. It's just there's no snow, so you can rip around there. And they're ripping up this thing, this massive hill climb, and they were like doing it, and it looked gnarly. And Mike, and me and Mike like rode down to where they were taking off from and talked to them for a second. And I said, "Hey, Mike, you gonna do it?" He's all, "Fuck no." <laughs> and Mike, and Mike has way, he's way braver than I am. And um, and I'm like, "Yeah, fuck no." And then like 15 minutes later, Mike's like, "Hey, I'm gonna do the fucking hill climb." <laughs> <laughs> and on the on the KLX 250, he fucking ripped up this thing. And it's one of those things where it's like gets steeper and steeper and steeper yeah. but then at the top it just gets fucking steep because it's all oh, chewed up shit. and it's like concrete on one side and then a fucking chairlift post on the other oh. <laughs> and uh, but the klx 250 just ripped he fucking rode right up it so did so anyway awesome. the small bikes will do what you want them to did you try it no fuck <laughs> but uh i did have here's one mechanical question i yes. have so when when i got up there when we were having to pound back up that ski slope um I was having to use a lot more clutch than I thought I did, right? And I just thought it was because it was so low me. Right. As it turned out, when I got to the top of the hill, I'm like, Mike, my clutch is slipping, dude. Yeah. You just, you you burnt it. So here's my, yeah. yeah. So here's my question. What also happened is I think the cable may have backed itself out. Because remember, I, I changed out bars and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And I'm wondering, could the cable have backed itself out part way? So when I'm coming up, up back hill, I'm sure. never really using the clutch properly. Could that cause the clutch plates to burn out? prematurely or could i because it feels right now like when i get up to around seven eight thousand it feels like the clutch plates may it starts slipping a little bit. I, got, I got a tip for you on that um just so you don't have to change your oil just lean the bike on its side open up the clutch cover just sprinkle a little sand in there and it'll create some grit <laughs> and some friction oh god you're such the, a freaking bonehead top tip um thank you i hate to tell you this jim um, i think i think you i think you don't try this at home you've burnt your plates the, but I, that's okay and the I bike think, was fucking right, working i'm telling you my fat ass going up that hill you can Lord. prove it i think just take the filler out and take a sniff and I think mm. you'd sniff inside your crankcase. It'll smell like Knox's ass. Not yes. a <laughs> <laughs> not, it's not, a not gonna smell that bad. <laughs> You're nothing right. that. But Be, I think because when I was going up this hill, I think it was a combination of the clutch lever being not quite adjusted correctly, right? Yeah. And me because I had the fucking thing fucking pinned <laughs> in first gear. The shit out of it. Huh? Yeah, no, it was no feathering. It was pinned. Full, and, yeah, uh, okay. oh, it was, yeah. yeah. You know what you needed on there. Yeah, about thirty pounds less. No, what, what's the, what were we talking about last week? The the cl- the clutches, a recluse. <laughs> oh God! Yeah. But, um, but, but yeah, yeah. It, you, you just whatever. put a set of plates in it. I think that's and it. you know, I'm pretty sure I haven't actually looked at the spec. I think your bike's got an anti-judder spring in it, and you can yeah. just delete that. Hmm, just okay. delete it and put a regular plate in there in its right, place, right. and it'll actually help okay. you out. And the last thing I'll say, Liza's trying to get me to shut up. But what last thing I'll say is, <laughs> you know, politically vote and protect your public lands. There you go. Because yeah. to be able to go into the natural, so camping was free. Yeah. Just wow. basically the, the deal is to use common sense, right? And they had all sorts of different like camping like tables with rings to disperse to like out in the fucking woods because we'd come across fire rings out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Hmm. But everyone was awesome. respectful of it, right? So what I would say is when you go to vote, vote to protect your public lands because they're beautiful and they're at stake. Yeah. Well, Jim, I love hearing your stories as you continue to explore and experience more and more motorcycling because I mean, we all know this is something you came to late in life and you're just a, a 
attacking it and just having so much fun. It makes me curious how good of a writer you would have been if you had started writing, oh, maybe when you were about 14, like our guest Wendy here. (laughs) Uh, No, because then you're just beat up, broken like me. (laughs) (laughs) He's doing a good job of that, too. Wendy... You have joined us because you've got a long history with racing. Wendy has got a story to tell. There's a lot of stories here. I mean, um, yeah, we got a lot of stories here. So first of all, I wanted to thank you for coming in. I know we've been going back and forth talking about getting you down here, and and uh, you were in the Bay Area, and I asked you to stay an extra day to come on the show. So I wanted to thank you for that. Oh, thank you for having me. So I wanted to go back because you did start writing young. You said you started when you were 14. Yes. Did uh, your parents introduce you? Um, my parents were supportive in that they bought us a mini bike. Ah, uh, yes. And released us on the streets of San Francisco. Oh, yes. that's supportive. Is, yeah. That's pretty awesome. Awesome parent award. That is like, all right, you win already. Wow, that is awesome. I like how it's just borderline just child neglect. <laughs> awesome parent. It's not, a hard line to tell, man. It's, it was it's a, awesome. It was yeah. a different time, not. Oh, so clearly. What, uh, where in San Francisco? What neighborhood? Uh, we rode um, Mount Davidson and McLaren Park, uh, Glen Park, uh, the beach. Uh-huh. It's amazing how far you could get on they a mini bike. Huh? Golden Gate Park. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. But this was a while ago. This is a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. you want to share, uh, like, what year, what era did you start writing? I started in 1970. There you go. So we're going back. So you started out, and then did you get into dirt riding after that? Well, yeah, because I was taking my mini bike on all the dirt property I could find (laughs) in San Francisco. Um, Then, but my parents didn't know what to do with us. Um, (laughs) So it wasn't until I was eighteen that I could sign myself off to race legally without parents' signature, and the bad part of that is I went out on a New Year's Day race um, against the men in the 250 class and I won. <laughs> Darn! Hell yeah. yeah. And then you were, you were bit. Yeah, yep. that was it. Yep. And so, what, what, so this is what, like 1970? It was 1974. And, and what kind of racing was it? Uh, it was a off-road time trials. So it was like so, district stuff or? No, no. It was a club. Okay. Well, it was Pacifica. Right on. Cool. So that must have been like a real major hit, like like a drug. Like, whoa, I went in this race and I won it. And like, well, what else am I going to do, right? <laughs> like, I'm just going to keep racing and winning, I guess, right? And like... Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't good at playing piano, uh-huh. so I thought, hey, you know what? I'm kind of good at this motorcycle stuff. Let's yeah. follow it. I'd, right like, I'd like to point out something, though. Um, 1974, this was not a time when many women were riding motorcycles at all. That's More so, not really acceptable. A lot of men didn't think it was cool. How did the men handle you beating them in the races? Uh, well, it, it changed. Was there so, a lot of pats on the back and congratulations? Not exactly. <laughs> but when I was 18, I was still cute. Ah, right. <laughs> it's like, oh, look, the little girls out there playing with the boys. Oh, oh rats. Um, and then it, be, it did become um, more competitive. Mm-hmm. Like the guys would do some very strange things. Uh, oh, suddenly my bike's not working. Oh, and, no. um, yeah, I better pull over. 
So I, so what bikes, did, when you st- first started racing, what were you riding? Well, I took all the lights off my DT250 for yeah. that first race. Um, then I bought a, a MX. Did you have to put them back on afterwards to ride home? <laughs> not not quite, but yes, to go to school I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, then I went 125 Yamaha, 125 Penton. That was my yeah. favorite bike. Man, that was a great bike. Um, and I had a 360 flat tracker. So I, I started getting into the bigger bikes. Um, I just I'm actually a lazy rider, so the bigger bikes work for me. Just uh, <laughs> torque around. I'm good. Nice. 125s are a lot of work. <laughs> and again, were you getting a lot of support in the community? Were there other women racers at all? Um, there were. The, we did have uh, the Powder Puff mm-hmm. races, um, but I most of the time I would race with the men because it, it wasn't a real contest. Do you think, though, that made you a better racer? Oh, absolutely. That was the one thing that I heard at the uh, bike shop that I worked at is you're only as fast as the people you race with. Mm -hmm. So I was always going after that. I want to be faster. I want to race with the big boys. So you talked about um, working on bikes. When when did you first start wrenching on motorcycles? (laughs) So the day our mini bike showed up. (laughs) (laughs) You you were looking for an edge. It sounds vaguely familiar. (laughs) The uh, it wouldn't start. (laughs) <laughs> and so the parents called the dealership. They came down. They ch- and I watched him change the spark plug. And I went, I can do that. Right. <laughs> and from that point on, it w- I just felt like I was taking care of my bike. Mm. Wow, that's nice. pretty awesome. That is so fantastic. you kept entering races. And you, did you start making a name for yourself? Um, not, you know, uh, one of my friends says I'm the... Uh, least known famous person (laughs) so and then and my brother says things like they wouldn't admit you were a woman so Mm. i wasn't really making a name for myself but Mm. i was always there right Mm. well and you know what a lot of people don't realize is that um racing motorcycles is a a a great hobby to get into because it's so affordable anyone can do it (laughs) (laughs) in 1970 it was (laughs) i can't afford the tires for the race bikes today no way so um did you get sponsors um, we ha- did have help. Uh, ar- when I went pro, um, mm-hmm. uh, Arai Helmets and um, uh, who can I remember? Blenzol Oils. Yeah, Blenzol. Um, I can't remember. Anyway. Shout out K- to the sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> KH Cams, which is Kenny Harmon. He was really cool. Um, and they would just they would include me they you know most of those guys were older than me so they included me in you know just their stories and their history and everything and it was it was a good time that's cool so I want to follow your career a little bit and you started um, on a path that a lot of the American road racers the track racers didn't that you started riding dirt but you made that transition to track and um, when was that? And what was your kind of first track bike? 
So that was a, that's actually a, a funny story. Um, I decided I wanted to go to Florida to go to finish my college hmm. career. Uh, however, I had two dirt bikes in my van when I went. That was a huge mistake. So I immediately met all the guys at the dealership, and there was a Daytona race. And I'd hmm. never seen or been to a road race, but certainly Ooh. not Daytona. This is the fast one with the bank turn. Yeah. 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 Is that TT? Is that the Daytona TT? Anyway. No, no. It's uh, 200. The, the, um, so I, I sat there in 1975 and said, I'm going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm on the phone to my brother maybe every week, and he had started road racing over here at Sears Point mm. uh, with the local kids. He never really got into the dirt. He just went straight to the road. So I quit school (laughs) and said, yep, I'm coming back. I'm going racing. And we put a a RD uh, 250 together for my first uh, road race bike. Wow. And so you said you went pro. How long were you a pro racer? Uh, 77 to 82. And wow. this is still doing, uh, this is dirt, or are we on to this track now? Um, I did 99% road racing, mm-hmm. um, but I did run a couple of uh, indoor and fl- uh, flat tracks. Cool. So how did that so transfer? Because cool. a lot of people go from the dirt to, to road racing. Did that, Was that something completely new for you that you really had to learn a lot, or did it all transfer over? Uh, it transferred wonderfully. Um, my very first time at, on the racetrack at Sears Point, I watched a guy go off the track, let go of the handlebars, and fall down. And I'm like, well, that's dumb. You can ride that out. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, it's all traction. You just how much of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing, too, is fast people are always fast. It doesn't matter what they ride. They right. just always seem to be fast. <laughs> So were you like doing the whole traveling, got the van, the bike, the whole thing, and driving around the country? Absolutely. Living out of the van, sleeping on cases of Blenzol, you know, things like that. (laughs) Blenzol, Mark's favorite. (laughs) So I have um, a question. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Brandon. Okay. uh, So what was your favorite race that you did in your professional career? Or or outside of it, even? Um, Wow. Uh, there, there are a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess the the one that I'm pretty proud of is mm-hmm. the uh, Talladega race where I finished top ten. Ooh, I finished tenth cool. uh, in Superbike, and uh-huh. I held that uh, accolade for 25 years. Nice. And this is, I, I'm so what, glad that question came up because I wanted to dovetail into the Superbikes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> There's a picture of you. And you said this picture came to light not that long ago. You didn't even realize it existed. And there's a picture of Wendy, young Wendy. Mm-hmm. And you're a woman, and you're a diminutive woman. And you are standing next to a GS1000 superbike. 
<laughs> in 79. <laughs> and back then, the superbikes are big. They yeah. are physically big And bikes. these are two-stroke, right? No. No. Four-cylinder, four-stroke, twin cam. These were the unrideable bikes? No, these those are the, the two-strokes. These are the West Cooley bikes. Okay. These, the Kenny Roberts, the West okay. Cooley, yeah. uh, Fast Freddy got his start on them. <laughs> um, that's even later. That's a fair yeah, bike. There's really, a lot earlier yeah, picture. All the power and but, the brakes. Exactly. The, <laughs> the first super bikes, um, before the picture that she has, mm -hmm. uh, we had no fairings. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. we have. I actually have a picture at uh, Laguna Seca where the flat number plates are all curved back because we're doing you know <laughs> forty. So cool. yeah. But I think the point is these are big, heavy bikes. When did you make the transition to super bikes and said that is something I want to get into and that is something I can master? So as a, a amateur racer with AFM, um, I went to CB750. Uh, sometime after the the two stroke mm, uh, right. RDs, and and I got you know I would I was a top five uh, got a second place a mm -hmm. couple of times with it and um, so I got I I wanted to go pro got my TZ two fifty you have to start as a novice mm -hmm. so two fifty yeah got it um, went on the circuit in seventy eight mm. by myself and <laughs> um, I crashed pretty Ooh. pretty badly uh, actually I was running third and I what I had my bike was was already bent and I mm -hmm. knew that it wasn't going to make this right hand corner mm -hmm. so I thought all right I'm just gonna go out in the dirt for a second and continue on and yep. maybe I'll lose a position or something mm -hmm. uh, well what I forgot was that it had rained the night before got oh. in the mud stuck bike threw me down boom Ooh. Sponsor, a uh, uh, mechanic, Ken McNulty, who, who stayed with me through my superbike days, mm -hmm. um, saw me, said, I want you to ride for me, picked up my bike, cleaned it up, and off we went. And we were traveling down through uh, Texas World Speedway, and we hit Savannah on the way back, and we were carrying a Dresda Frame 750 mm -hmm. with us for another racer. Mm. And um, you know, we he kept saying, you know, hey, you're you're a good 250 rider. I'm like, no, I'm a big bike rider. He says, no, no, you're a good 250 rider. Mm -hmm. So we got to Savannah and we unloaded this Dresda 750, and I took it out just in practice, um, and I came back in at the end of the session, and he goes, you're a big bike rider. <laughs> we're, we're getting you a super bike. Nice. Wow. And that was your, and what a great start. Um, for those who don't know, a Dresda 750, that's an English bike. Um, Dresda was a company that was founded by a guy called Dave Deegans, who was a motorcycle racer in his own right, and he recognized that the 754 was, in fact, a horse mm -hmm. and thought I can do better and so the Rickman brothers were doing mm -hmm. frames Dave Deegans was doing frames under the Dresden name um, what a great place to start that's a fantastic machine so uh, what were your folks saying with all this oh, that's like, a great yeah, because it's like hey I just stopped school to, well, we you know? already established they neglected her I, yeah. Well, yeah, I know. how much further they, they neglect her is what I'm saying we, we actually had a rule in the family if you don't call we know you're okay <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. that's great so um, we've heard RD250 TZ250 CB750. We I, already know about the GS Thou. I have a quick question about the CB750. Do you mind if I jump in? Oh, please. I'm curious because 
a lot of people now look at those bikes and they just see a, a old heavy classic bike mm. nobody thinks of it as that super super bike that it was i'm curious when you look at them what do you see do you still see that the you know the that racehorse that it once used to be well, I, I I look for the original four pipes because those were like gold. Mm-hmm. People threw them away right. and put headers on them. But if you could find the original four pipes, mm-hmm. um, uh, that was that was the thing to have. Mm. Um, I I'm still very fond of them. I'd love to find a, a super sport like uh, like my old my original bike. There you go. You can continue. Thanks, yeah, Emma. So, so um. Jess Thousand. What did you ride after a Jess Thousand? Um, that's a good question. Uh, so what happened with that was the uh, AMA changed the rules to 750. Right. And mm-hmm. so everything we owned became junk. <laughs> and I really, I was out of business. We, I, we, we couldn't play with the factories anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a depressing time for sure. Um and I did a lot of dumb things, like work for the Department of Motor Vehicles. And oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, we got to have you back just to do re- that re- episode. Re- reducing yourself. So, well, let's concentrate. Let's go to that um, 7980 season. And I saw um, the placing for some of the races. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to read off some of the names that Wendy was riding against. And remember, Wendy is not in a women's class Wendy is standalone rider. Mm-hmm. So um, the one I'm thinking of, which I think was Daytona, first place was Kenny Roberts. Ooh, oh my second gosh. was Dave Aldana. <gasps> third, Wes Cooley. Fourth, yeah. Freddie Spencer. I mean, Holy these crap. are these are the people yeah. that you were riding against. It was, it was like a golden age. It was a golden yeah. age to me. It was I am the golden so age. So jealous because that is so cool. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it was. I mean, if you're going to drop names, you know, please <laughs> <laughs> don't stop there. Um, I was uh, Freddie. Freddie Spencer and I were novices together. Oh, uh, Eddie, wow. Eddie Lawson mm-hmm. raced. Uh, oh for Harry Hunt, which is where I got my TZ250 from. Uh-huh. So we really were immersed with these people. And um, one of the things I said, you know, the men would get a little strange as I would, mm-hmm. you know, climb the ladder. Uh, but when I got to the pros, those guys were so cool to me. Mm-hmm. They um, uh, Honda teams gave me uh, tires, and uh, Yoshimura gave me, you know, transmissions, yep. and it was really a good time. And since you're dropping all those names, I just want to <laughs> drop one more: Wendy Epstein. Yes, <laughs> because you know the truth is, Wendy, you belong very much alongside those guys and I guarantee a lot of people who are listening now everybody recognized every single one of those Mm. names Mm -hmm. that I listed except yours they're like Wendy who? Mm -hmm. and when you talk about racing at Daytona Daytona with that big thank you with that big banked fucking turn Right? That's the track we're talking about, right? Right. Yeah. That's the one that Barry Sheen it, threw it, away like the in 78. track. In 75. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you, what's it like going around that fucking turn? Because that's like historical stuff. Because yeah. that, that they stopped, right? Because tires couldn't hold up to that. Uh, absolutely. That's why they went to the 750 class. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the rims on our bike were a WM3 and WM4 for those who remember those sizes. I remember those sizes. Um, 
<laughs> but um, it was the the banking was very bumpy. I mean, we it's not like we had good suspension or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your helmet would would move around. The helmets didn't fit all that good. Well, once we moved into the Arise, but uh, and how were, how fast do you into that turn? Um, well, I know what I was at the end of the straightaway. That, that's a pretty cool story, too. So my first time, we came out of <laughs> Ohio in the snow, went to my first Daytona uh, superbike. No, I guess that would have been the first Daytona with the superbike. Um, I was clocked as the fifth fastest rider through the, the time, mm-hmm. whatever that thing is. Scoring um, at 163 miles an hour. Oh, wow! Well then, again, no fairing. Um, uh, and, wow. I was, and the first privateer, fastest fi- privateer. Nice. And that doesn't surprise me at all because you are tiny, mm. and so you know you get into the whole power to weight thing, mm-hmm. and right, you know the thing is about a bike. yeah, the thing is about <laughs> Wes and Kenny. I mean, they're Ke- kind of big blokes. So you, it's like the fast, mm-hmm. but you're tiny. Yeah, you're she can't, tiny she person. can't throw her weight on the on the turn. Like can't throw the bike around as much because, you know, obviously you're bigger. You can just have the bike do what you want. No, but yeah, physics isn't in your favor when you're yeah. small in a corner. So she got a, a, well, a no, what? so here's what here's what, how we address that. We had uh, great big riser handlebars. The guys used to make fun of me. I'm, what are you riding a chopper? Uh, <laughs> and I would, that would be my leverage right. to to muscle the bike around. Yeah. So, wow. So um, cool. I think uh, the statute of limitations is up. Which one of those were the dirtiest riders? Ah, <laughs> uh, come on, let's hear the dirt. <laughs> Mm, I, Dave Aldana, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> you hear that, Dave? You hear that shit? Well, no, hang on. I mean, coming for you, buddy. That doesn't surprise me at all. Because, I mean, Dave was always known as the wild man. And in England, because while Wendy was racing, I was following all this racing, going to all the, all the races when they came over to England for the transatlantic trophies. And Aldana was the wild man. I mean, he was riding superbikes like they were dirt bikes. He was mm-hmm. getting them sideways. and So that doesn't surprise me at all. I think it's just a wild riding style. So, like, Wendy, I'm totally stalking your Facebook right now. <laughs> <laughs> get some really cool photos of you in here on a, on a fair bike that says 911 on it, like, uh, in 78, apparently. Yeah, so my, uh, my pro novice number was 71, mm-hmm. and the uh, local club gave me 911. Yeah, so we, tur- awesome. we would turn <laughs> the 7 awesome. into it. was really tacky numbers, but yeah. they, they knew who it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I, I want to know, who the hell are you, and why did you think you could do this? Mm. <laughs> uh, nobody told me I couldn't. There we go. Perfect. Excellent. There yes. we go. And you said that there were other women writers, but I, not a lot of them made their names. No. Why do you think that is? Um, uh, so there were a couple of girls that I was racing with. Um, <clears throat> in the pros when we first got there uh and honestly i think well uh, on top of being a little more tenacious but i i i'm strong i i worked on my upper body strength and Mm. i think uh i would watch riders uh during races and i'd watch them get tired and at the end of the race i was still ready to go and that's where i I would make a lot of passes you know i'm gonna draw a parallel here to elsbeth beard I think there's the same tenacity. And, well, 
And here's what I think. There have been women writing all along. Right. But people didn't want to hear their stories because they weren't ready to accept it. Mm. And now we're at this time in history where people, where everyone wants to hear and like, oh, that's amazing what you did. But do you find that there were decades where people didn't really want to, they weren't interested in your story? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, no, this is a great revival. I, I love it. Um, a yeah. lot of the stories I haven't told for decades, mm-hmm. um, so it's exciting I think, to remember I, I them. Think it, I think it's time, Wendy. Tell us, really tell us another story. Time. What else you got? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, did you ever have a lot any bad crashes that you had to oh, recover yeah, from, or have question. you ridden uh, injured? Actually, the uh, yeah the the last big news article that was written about me that was the first thing I said was, uh, what makes you a good racer? It's being able to crash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, the uh, well the the one at uh, Pocono when I broke my collarbone, mm-hmm. um, I went out my the mechanic put my bike back together, Ken McNulty, and we went to Bridgehampton. And since it's a lay down on the TZ, um, I just, I rode. With a broken collarbone. With a broken Uh, collarbone. Oh my gosh, that would be excruciating. You're gangster. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah, for real. Um, Okay. Uh, (laughs) That's that's a good thing. I'll translate for you for Knock Speak. (laughs) Knock likes you. (laughs) But because I had crashed at the previous pro race, I had to go get a doctor sign me off to to race Loudon. And um, he took one look at the x-rays. He turns white. (laughs) My collarbone's in three pieces. And he says, I can't sign you off for that. And so I missed the Loudon race. So, um, I've got a question for you, Um, and we're still going to ask the question we discussed. This is a completely different one. So, where you are at in life right now, I could bring back any of your race bikes. I could bring back the Dresda, I could bring back the Jesta, I could bring back the TZ or the RD. Which one would you just happily get on and give it the beans, darling? Um, all of them is a good answer as well. I, I would take my, my very first superbike. Um, it, its name was Maintain. You know, because they are, they're bringing this, these bikes back and they're, they're pretending like they're going to have races any minute now. Uh, bring back the, the people who race those things. And uh, we and broke that frame three times. And Maintain was a GS1000. What, what was the bike? It, it was a... Well, all right. So, and, well, what, what bike, statute what of limits, mods, sta- statue of limitations on the on the, the cheaty part of this. <laughs> there you go. Here it comes. Good stuff. We ain't racing, bro. So, so all our stuff came from the junkyard. So yeah. I should have asked of all the racers, were you the dirtiest racer? <laughs> That's why it took her so long to think. Um, maybe, uh, actually, the AMA sound guys would come by and go, "That thing's not going to pass sound," and slap a sticker on it. Just go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, we we picked up a, a GS750 frame. Mm-hmm. And we had um, a engine out of a GS1000, and we stuffed it in there. We made the motor mounts. Mm. The side covers wouldn't fit, so we <laughs> said, "Yeah, we're going to make these." Um, uh, sheet metal covers to cover up the electronics, um, so nobody would notice that it's not the same frame. Um, and and that 
it handled better than the 1000 which which just it, it really was amazing motorcycle mm. but we we tore the back motor mounts off of it with the horsepower we mm. had mm. uh oh we tore the down tubes the front down tubes <laughs> right <laughs> during a six hour race at ontario <laughs> wow. we tore we're like hey this thing feels do like that? it doesn't handle anymore <laughs> oh yeah uh your frame is in a, you know broken right <laughs> was there. this an endurance race yeah whoa hold on a second <laughs> uh, yeah you did endurance races oh lots of endurance races. Wow. well then are we going to talk about that Go ahead, knock. What kind of endurance racing did you do? That sounds super enough awesome. to break the frame. <laughs> <laughs> so how'd you get into well, it? Like, well, I mean, we're road racing, and you sure. know, AFM has a Ontario six hour every year, and uh-huh. so we yeah. would go down there. I, uh, matter of fact, my CB seven fifty. I took my girlfriend uh, Jill Keenan, who was ridden nothing but CB two hundreds, and it was the year that the KZ six fifty came out, and they were in our class and all this, mm-hmm. and all the magazines had had that bike, and Jill and I uh, in it proceeded to rain for four hours mm. and jill and i just kept running around and around and around we ended up second in class we beat all but one kz650 yeah <laughs> and i vividly um, remember the advertising for the kz650 and what kawasaki mm-hmm. did two months before that bike was released they actually ran an ad and it was a bike under cover so you couldn't see what it was and said this bike is going to outperform every 750 and that's it mm-hmm. kawasaki and if, what the hell is it is it going to be an 800 is it going to be a 900 because you know kawasaki had history with the 900s no it's a bloody kz 650 hmm. and it 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 was a quick little bike it, is that a 76 <clears throat> like that oh you can see it uh it's a little hard oh, to yeah, see yeah, that's right. so Knock. Mm. So, are you are you pretty impressed so far? I'm always impressed. So, I've got three words are about to really impress you. Oh my god! <laughs> what are, you, are you ready for this? Sure, I'm ready. Isle of Man. Oh well, shit. no! <laughs> That's what, it. What did you race at That's Isle it. of Man? Okay, so uh, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Um, yeah, after, so I, I did get back into the motorcycles again in the 90s. Uh, you brought up a picture mm-hmm. of my, uh, that was a 24-hour uh, <laughs> endurance bike. <laughs> we, we did pretty well with that. No sponsorship. but Oh, uh, wow, really? Like, as you were just, like, as a privateer was, like, Yes, just, I, wow. we paid for everything ourselves. Damn. Wow. Um, anyway, uh, I got a little burned out on the motorcycles, and I, my friend uh, Wade Boyd, let me try his sidecar, and mm-hmm. I'm like, this is no. for me. <laughs> no, you did not. You, wrote, I, I you raced a sidecar in Isle of Man. crazy. I, I did. That, <laughs> were, you, were you the pilot or the monkey? I'm the pilot. Oh, oh, wait, wait, God. so were you smaller than your monkey then? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's yes. like a dream for a sidecar race. That's yeah. insane. I don't know if anybody's seen sidecar racing. Oh, yeah. It is way dangerous. Okay. And like yeah. the pilot barely has any control over it, so you have to have complete trust in this person who's hanging themselves halfway off of the bike to make you go around a corner. Oh, and by the way, there are buildings... Uh, you know that you have to avoid at Isle of Man and, and stone walls. <laughs> oh and stone gosh. walls. All right, all right. I want to hear it. <laughs> Give me the beans. So tell us about it. Well, it, it actually didn't go as planned. Ooh. We didn't Ooh. officially race. Uh, what happened was we we got there. Guy uh, rented us a two-stroke uh, 350 
T T Z three fifty, and n- it, this bike hadn't this sidecar hadn't he hadn't done anything to it in a decade at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we spent all the all our practice time. Um, uh, getting the jelly out of the brake system, uh, and ooh. then our first yeah. our first qualifier, it was pouring rain. Mm-hmm. Uh. So I made it all the way to the end of 37 miles and just went, yes, we can do this. I I'm confident. So wait, you hadn't done any laps before that? Zero laps. Well, oh. <laughs> yeah, Holy and uh, so we get we get back in. We have a a dry next dry practice cool i get about mm, third of the way around the track and i hear it it oh, goes no. to dank and the old tz clutch's uh hand is still useful um, yeah. i <laughs> saved that engine the rod let go oh, i wow. did no damage to this engine except for that rod so wow. i went back went back to the guy and i'm like hey you know, you need to find us parts. We're renting this for you. And he's like, uh, I don't know. Well, let's go into the my garage. <laughs> and and he's he's looking at, you know, I don't know, his four-cylinder junk over there. And I'm like, I'm spotting all the TZ stuff. <laughs> like, there's there's a crankshaft, you know. There, that's what we need. Yeah. He's like, I don't think so. Yeah, that's a TZ <laughs> crankshaft. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, so he got it back. Uh, rebuilt it uh-huh. again. Uh, it was our next. Uh, it was our last session actually to qualify. So did you like build it overnight, or how uh, much time did you have to rebuild this thing? Yeah, yeah. It would have been overnight or at the end of the day, and we. Yeah, that's we, what that's, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No problem. <laughs> no problem. Who needs sleep <laughs> to be uh, to go to do the world's dangerous race? Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, we were going, and I was I was staying with other sidecars. I'm like, okay, you know, we're we're not the fastest thing out here, but we're I didn't feel like we were dangerous or anything. Um, and then we got to the mountain, and it was fogged in, oh, and they man. forced us to uh, caravan uh, over the over the mountain. Oh. And because we didn't have a single qualifying time, they they would not let us run. They were just oh. too afraid to let two women out on their track <laughs> so i have a question for you and just hearing these stories and <clears throat> I, th- I would think to accomplish all the things that you've accomplished i'm trying to imagine you back in the day what you must have been like and i'm guessing that you couldn't just be the quiet little polite woman to get all these things done did you have to be a real ball buster um, not at all. I actually am fairly quiet. I think. <laughs> um, I, uh, I I go after. I you know I look. I see what I want, and I just go after it. Mm-hmm. And I'm oblivious to um, you know what's around me. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I've I've gone riding with girlfriends who say, "Oh, look, everybody's looking at us." And I, I'm like, "Oh, I've never noticed that. <laughs> I'm just doing this." Yeah, I I noticed that focus about you. You 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 have this amazing focus, and I think that's shown in your racing. So um, let's talk a little bit about afterwards. So we'll ignore the DMV years. <laughs> that's, the, that's the best part. But what are you talking about? There's there's one more there's we haven't covered yet. Even cooler. So oh, is it we went mini bike, dirt, uh, street racing, sidecar, sidecar. There's Endurance. another. There's another. What can make her even cooler? 
cannonball. Oh, wait, yes. like the original sort of cannonball across cannonball. the country. Cannonball. Yes. No way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm actually you are the man. Like <laughs> this is wow. so cool. Not the right thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's going to blow you away is what she did the cannonball on. So okay. share the year. And Wendy, and share what you did it on, because I was surprised. And this is okay. the one with Burt Reynolds, right? Yeah. So this was actually early. This is my first year racing superbikes, but uh, we got approached, um, or my mechanic and I. Um, it was a relay. I didn't run the whole thing by myself, mm-hmm. but uh, we did prepare the... Uh, a 1979 Suzuki GS850 Whoa. to run the whole Cannonball. Hmm. And that's a touring bike. That is, a GS850 has no sporting pretensions whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's big, it's heavy, it's shaft drive. It was pitched as a touring bike. Was it the Goldwing of the day? It was not quite as porky as a Goldwing, okay. but it wasn't far behind. In Com- line four? Yes. Yeah. Compared with the GS750, it was a porker. Okay. Definitely. It's not a sporting bike. But I realized, once we talked about it a little, what an inspired choice it was. Got no chain and sprockets to go wrong. Really smooth running bike. Mm -hmm. And you were cruising at quite a high top top rate of speed, weren't you? Well... And let's just remind people, what are the parameters of the Cannonball? Did we say what year it was? 79. 79. So what was the Cannonball race then? What vehicles were in it? How do you win this thing? Uh, well, not being at the beginning or the end, I, I missed a lot of, mm-hmm. of all the hoopla and, and seeing the cars. But there was, you know, the Jaguars and, uh, you know, uh, Cobra Shelbys. And so this is any vehicle? It's it's open to any vehicle. <laughs> I, I don't, okay. Car or motorbike. Yeah. Yes. Wow. All right. So now we're going back to Emma's question. Like, what kind of speeds are you carrying in? And what was your your part of the relay? So, uh, well, one guy got... escorted through two states um, and he was being clocked at over 100 miles an hour um, most of <laughs> most of my time a lot of my time was spent in the rain mm. um, but so I kept it under 100 most of the time um, <laughs> on the sweet 70s tires man <laughs> yeah in, in the rain yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I did Pulaski Virginia to Memphis Tennessee it was uh 520 miles in 6 hours and 15 Jeez. minutes. Whoa. Wow. Including the gas stop <laughs> and the ticket. <laughs> wow. wow. That's nice. crazy. <laughs> right faster, um, officer. I got to go. Come on. Um, come on. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Does this cover me for the whole state? <laughs> <laughs> but the car the, for 79, um, and I, I wish I could remember who was driving. It was a famous racer. It might have been Parnelli Jones. But um, 79 in the cars, it was won actually by a Jaguar XJS, a black one. Mm. And quite famously, the Gas Monkey Garage, Richard Rawlins, mm-hmm. found the car quite recently oh. and has restored it. I, but oh, that wow. was the winning car for 79. And that's not, you know, a Jag XJS is not really a sporty car. Mm. It's like the GS850. It's a 
big, fast touring mm-hmm. car. It's an ideal choice for something like that because it's a comfortable place to be mm-hmm. for a long distance, which is why I think that GS850 is a great choice. You know, there's thousands of people of my age who used to go touring on them in France and, you know, in the in the 1970s. Not a sporty bike, but just a big comfortable fast bike i very much like that emma remembers the vehicle that won but not who drove it (laughs) (laughs) i remember he was it was a two-person team but it's typical of me yes jag xjs v12 5.3 so i'm curious are there any other any other racing styles that you haven't covered that we should know about um, well, you know, I race cars now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There we go. Now cars. Uh, I'm, I race in the, so back to endurance racing, the uh, yeah. 24 Hours of Lemons. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. I got to ask, what, what are you racing? Yeah, better. what did you race last, or what are your favorite um, things to race? Well, I've, I've got... Uh, several first places in in class nice. we haven't not yet won overall but i've had uh i had a volvo 242 <laughs> nice. uh, bmw 535 mm-hmm. uh, that that was my favorite car but it uh somebody totaled it for me um, um we don't been racing the- a cavalier Oh. Yeah. <laughs> a Dodge yeah. Cavalier? No, no, no. Uh, Chevy. 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 Because you couldn't find a K car? <laughs> yeah, no, they blew that up. <laughs> wow. What a Did you ever so, do the peak? Uh, no. Okay. Wow. So you're, you've always stayed in racing, and not just that, you also then got behind the scenes in racing. How were you involved with that? Um, well, uh, 1992. I got involved in a motorcycle dealership, which mm-hmm. I ended up uh, owning mm-hmm. at the end of that. So uh, in, until when? Uh, 2015. Knock. You might know of this. Yeah. You want to tell everyone the name of the dealer? Uh, me? Yeah. yeah <laughs> uh, Mission Motorcycles. Yeah. Uh huh. I know that. Yeah. Daily City. Yep. Nice. Two, two blocks from San Francisco. Yeah. You actually carried uh, zero motorcycles there, right? Absolutely. We mm. were often the number one seller of zero motorcycles in the country. Nice. That's pretty sick. Well, and you've uh-huh. also um, been a track worker. You've always stayed involved. Well, that's right. Um, I'm. I do corner working uh, for World Superbike and MotoGP. And uh, Formula One. Rad. Awesome. <laughs> so Rad. You, you get to travel and do track work for MotoGP? Uh, only in the United States. Okay. Is there anything so you do that, that is not super cool? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> that is the correct answer. Um, I, I have to say, though, I am amazed at all the things that you've done and that you aren't a household name. And that blew me away as well. Mm. I mean, you should, you, you really deserve far more recognition than you actually have. And I think it's time your story's told. Um, Just like Elspeth. Let's do it again. Wendy Epstein. I want Wendy everyone Epstein. to hear this name. Yes. You've got all these amazing stories, and you got the dealership, and you're still racing after yeah. all these years. <laughs> well, now that you've checked the soft porn box, maybe you can turn your eyes to a documentary, and you can work on that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Wendy Epstein is as legit a person mm-hmm. as I have ever met mm-hmm. when it mm-hmm. comes to motorcycling. 
more so. I mean, it, it's it's just beggar's belief. Well, and you know, you you've had a long career. You've been involved with the AMA for a long time, I assume. So I want to take this opportunity to play the AMA Minute. Woohoo! This is Michael Marino with the AMA Minute. Five motorcycling greats will be inducted into the AMA Motorcycle Hall of Fame on December 6th in Columbus, Ohio. The Hall of Fame class of 2019 includes rights advocate Mark Buckner, off-road racing champion Kurt Caselli, motocross champion Ron Lechen, trials pioneer Will Twagner, and museum founder Dale Walksler. Get tickets for AMA Legends and Champions Weekend at AmericanMotorcyclist.com slash events. Two riders have been named Nikki Hayden AMA Horizon Award winners so far in 2019. Jalik Swole laid claim to the Motocross Horizon Award, and Trevor Bruner won the Flat Track Horizon Award. Both riders will be honored at the AMA Championship Banquet in December. The award is named after AMA Motorcycle Hall of Famer Nikki Hayden, who won the first AMA Horizon Award in 1997. Three riders claimed AMA number one plates at the 2019 AMA Extreme Off-Road Grand Championship at the Tennessee Knockout. Ryder LeBlond and Rachel Gudish captured the Amateur and Women's Championships, while Manny Lettenbickler took the overall victory. 315 riders took part in the ninth edition of the event. And AMA members can save money on shipping their motorcycles thanks to new member benefit partner Motorcycle Shippers. Members receive discounts on one-way or round-trip shipping. To learn more about this new benefit, visit the AMA website. This has been the AMA Minute. For the latest AMA news, visit our website at AmericanMotorcyclist.com. There you go. They've got so many cool things going. And I love That's the... Well, what an awesome la-la. minute. It was an awesome minute, wasn't it? And it went by so quickly. No, but I love the new deal they have with the motorcycle shipper. Um, it's great that they're getting discounts for their AMA members on yeah. that. Cool. And, and I, I yeah. thought the cover of the last magazine I got was awesome. It was the guy on the fucking, was it, the, the wall of death? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, dollar bills. Yeah. That no, great. that's the last but one. Yeah, that, that was No, one. the There's latest one, one has a, a zero on the cover. Oh, really? In yes. dolphin-friendly blue. Yes. And I may or may not be mentioned in the latest one as well. Oh, God, you're always in the bloody AMA hey. magazine. <laughs> Your head is, that, is, that is getting so big. You won't get out the doorway. See, it's the see they even gave me an award. Yeah, I was say, oh, oh, wow. Which one? Nice. The one yeah. on the left or the right? Yeah. Is it the big dildo? <laughs> Different topic. Uh, Liza, I haven't yeah. seen you in a couple of days. What's up with the haircut? Oh, Looks pretty fresh. Getting ready to head out. It's like well, high and tight. We oh, No, just stop. I'm going to stop you because we need to ask Wendy a question. We oh, do, but yeah. we're not going to yet. Oh. Because we have someone else in the room. With another story to tell. Uh-huh. And then this is all going to tie oh, back together. Oh, and then together. we're all going to do the group gonna question. Well, okay. Um, and so, Corey, you've been sitting over there all quiet and all. I appreciate you waiting. I hope this wasn't too boring for you. <laughs> no, it's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I have to admit, when you look at her, did you think any of these things? Like, yeah. what? No. No. Harm- <laughs> I, no. I didn't think I'd meet anyone who's done so much, to be honest. Harmless woman. Just I a went, harmless woman. And I, you know what? I'm just going to apologize if this is an insult, but just to describe how Wendy looks to me, the type of person that you would expect to see at the supermarket squeezing cantaloupes. That's right. <laughs> yep. Hey, we're all those people. <laughs> I squeezed the shit out like, of them cantaloupes, but, man. Not like somebody you think has had this badass well, history of racing. Also, what you have to go on is that 
you have Wendy's amazing story and all this experience. It's like someone performs on stage, you go, thank God I don't have to follow that act. <laughs> so, here's Corey. Yeah. <laughs> so, but this ties in, because you, um, when you were selling Zeros, and things have changed in the mm. last few years, and they're doing more and more on these bikes. In fact... Corey recently did something pretty phenomenal on his Zero. Corey, what the hell did you do? And what are you riding? Yeah, so first I'm riding a 2018 Zero DSR uh, with the power tank. So basically it's the biggest uh, batteries they have. Um, And? And it also has uh, some DigiNow fast chargers, courtesy of Morgan and Brandon. There you go. So combined, I think it might have the sort of biggest combination of range and and charging uh, speed that you can easily get at least. So given a range like that, what kind of uh, trip might you be able to take? Well, I decided I'd dream big, I guess. So mm-hmm. uh, I and I live in the Bay Area. I live nearby here. Uh, so I took my Zero, which I'd only had for a few months at the time and had never taken it on any sort of trip, uh, and rode from uh, the Bay Area in California to Alaska. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm guessing there's a lot of gaps with no charging stations along the way. Yeah, yeah, there's actually, um, for people who, who drive or who ride motor EVs, driver ride mm-hmm. EVs. There's uh, an app called PlugShare that shows mm-hmm. you where you can charge. Um, and for most of the U.S. and even into southern Canada, it's pretty good coverage. You see all these little icons. Um, but then once you get kind of north of the Vancouver area, they tend to disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is like the majority of Canada. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. to be clear, majority of Canada, about half the trip, um, and pretty much no charging stations we actually had a couple guys on zeros uh just pass by today just to, to wave and say hi and oh, no kidding. and uh i said wait you came all the way down from san francisco didn't you need to charge and he said yeah no um we found a guy who had a charger at his house and he let us charge and he gave us pastries <laughs> that's, that's, random. Awesome. that's similar to your story with, with the burritos oh, and Dave. Yeah, but with Dave, that's right. The, so, the interesting thing about, and, and I believe, mm-hmm. uh, and I just want us to look this up and prove me wrong, I think Corey is the first person to do this on an mm-hmm. electric motorcycle. I, I agree. So how far up uh, to Alaska have you gone? Um, so I ended up in, in Anchorage. Uh, the total trip distance was about... 3,500 miles. Wow. And, and how and long? And half of it you didn't have charging stations for? Um, and probably at least 1,500 miles, there's no no charging stations. Damn. So that you're having to insane. just charge off of like a regular outlet. What did yeah. you plug into? Um, so outlets and gas stations, a um, lot of RV parks. And sit there for 12 hours? Yeah. So the thing is, I was actually <laughs> shocked. None of the RV parks had... Um, the 50 amp? 50 amp. Or oh. not until I got into Alaska. Oh, um, wow. So I would I would charge overnight wherever I'd stay, which were often these gas station motels. Um, but then during the day, if I had to go a lot Sounds further so than my seedy. my battery, oh yeah, th- these these gas station motels. I've never seen anything like it. But when you get really far into the middle of nowhere, uh-huh. you have these uh, these towns on the map, <laughs> and the town revolves around like a gas station. <laughs> you have had a gas station there when you said town. Hey, d- it makes for a good date night. <laughs> yeah, you, well, there's, there's, there's a restaurant. Are there yeah. a lot of lizards? Because I'm just. A Imagining like some scary looking ladies outside of this gas station hotel combo in the middle of nowhere. Hey, I resemble that remark. <laughs> I resemble that remark as well, Brandon. Let's go down the gas station. Let's get go ourselves to a some room for the night. Rural area and find us a gas station motel. So, how were the lot lizards up that neck of the woods? 
Oh, well, there were mostly people just <laughs> passing through who were who were pretty nice. Although, um, for anyone who who lives out there, I just kind of wondered, like, why? Yeah, what are why you doing? Like, I was like, is is this where you gather? You know, like there's, there's like a Holly little deli in the gas station, but that's I wish about to it. Study these so, probably so, growing a whole bunch of wheat. Corey, I'm very very interested. So. Describe your typical day when you're when you're up there in these gas station towns. You wake up in the morning and your bike is fully charged. How long can you ride it now with a fully charged battery? What kind of distance? What kind of time? Yeah, so that that's the uh, the really interesting thing about uh, electric vehicles, I guess. So um, if I was riding at freeway speeds, I'd probably get about a hundred miles. Um, okay, mm-hmm. but there were not that many charging stations so some charging stations were like 150 miles apart okay uh, so if you do the math you know that doesn't really add up so you went 25 miles per hour not quite that slow but pretty <laughs> but pretty close yeah. pretty close uh i i remember because i developed these like tricks in my head mm-hmm. to figure out like yeah. what Skills. speed and and for how long and then uh, i'd actually go slightly slower for most of the trip to to reward myself and and kind of ride recklessly the last few miles and, <laughs> um but yeah i was going um many days 50 to 80 kilometers per hour which is probably around like 40 miles per hour right and yeah. aren't you on the alaskan highway with all these trucks doing like a gazillion miles an hour yeah and and you? and they oh, are man. not in the mood to slow down right uh like they are they are aggressive truck i haven't seen trucks that aggressive. i guess like if you're you know r- driving all the way to alaska you're probably not in a great mood just to deliver supplies <laughs> um, shredded on meth that's what's up well, you, but you're not taking account the very nice lot lizards <laughs> that's true so at least when i got into my motel you know yes. get good so <laughs> so you'd wake up in the morning your bike's fully charged you're gonna ride it till lunchtime and then charge again and then ride it again or ride a complete day aiming for the next town yeah so it it, it uh depended on kind of the segment of the trip so the first half of the trip again from here all the way to to vancouver there were enough charging stations that i would basically revolve my my meals and stops around charging so i'd get up pretty early ride to uh like a coffee shop or a brunch place get food ride again get like a late lunch uh and then ride again and and find a place for the night so go ahead i was gonna say at what point in the trip did you realize this was a bad idea (laughs) (laughs) um well the the trip first of all was very last minute and not that well planned out which which i think so quite early on he he came to the shop he came to the shop to get his chargers installed and he told morgan and i I'm going to ride to Alaska. Okay, let me set the scene here, because <laughs> he admitted he was a new rider, only been riding several months before. Yeah, you know, it'll be a and, year next month. And so. I said, what do you oh want to do gosh. with this? Oh, I'm going I'm I'm to take this and go to Alaska. And Brandon and I like shot each other a look <laughs> of... And, and and after you know, after he left, we're like, okay, so what do you think, Oregon, Washington? Where does he end up? Like funeral <laughs> home. And quite frankly, after you know, we got him packed up and and, and set and learned how to do this and set on his way. I didn't hear a thing for months. We were convinced and he was dead. Yeah, yeah. We had we had conversations like, do you think Corey died? Like uh, <laughs> there was nothing. And then, silence. Yeah, yeah. And then months later, like you reappeared on my Facebook feed. It was some kind of family get together, and they're like, Corey's back from Alaska. I'm like, oh, he. <laughs> made it. Brandon, check it so, out. You made it. So did you collect beaver pelts to exchange for, <laughs> e- for juice, for energy? Um, <laughs> beads and wampum. <laughs> <laughs> now, as far as charging went, um, 
again, maybe it's the Canadian stereotype, but everyone was super nice. <laughs> oh, very, very confused at first. But once I explained what I was doing, um, they, they didn't always understand, but they, they were pretty receptive to letting okay. me plug in. So th my question to you is thus. You did um, 3,000 miles. How long did the trip actually take? Let's just deal mm -hmm. with one way at a time, because I'm sure that you spent some time in Anchorage. Yeah, oh, I'm and, sure. and I, I, I did a one-way trip, um, and then shipped the the bike back. Oh, so see, cause how you, long was the one-way trip? Because it would have been a lot faster on the way back, because it's all downhill. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Stop it. Good thinking. So, how long was the trip from when you left? Let's do it in three. I've got a, a question in three parts for you. How long was the overall trip? How long was the part up until, say, Vancouver, mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. Vancouver to uh, Anchorage? Yeah. So, how long was the overall trip? Yeah, well, so there's some extra context to fully understand <laughs> oh, how okay. long the trip was. Okay. Uh, but, but first, um, I basically arranged a sabbatical at work, since I, I work full-time mm -hmm. unemployed, and uh, I told them, you know, I want to go on this trip. Um, I don't really have vacation days for it, but I've been here a few years, and... Um, basically, I told them I'm going to go on the trip either way. I think it'd be better if you give me the sabbatical so I can come back afterwards. And it worked. Uh, so <laughs> they gave me. You they extorted gave me, your boss. That's pretty yeah. dope <laughs> for a motorcycle ride. That's awesome. Yeah. So they yeah, gave me that's six. That's a good economy. They gave me six weeks to do the trip. So that okay. was like my my calendar deadline. Um, but the the missing context is uh, there were basically two iterations of the trip. Uh, so I made it about to uh, Eureka and then had to turn around. I, I guess oh, actually to take right. a step back with how last minute this was. Uh, <laughs> so I got the bike in, in March um, and then emailed um, uh, these guys, Morgan and Brandon, about the DigiNow chargers. Actually, I think at the time I told them like, hey, I'm gonna do a trip at the end of May, but I didn't tell them what the trip was because that was still yep. when I was in the phase of, if I tell people Denial. what I'm doing, they might not <laughs> help me out because they'll think they're you know, an accomplice in my death. So I'm just like, hey, I, you know, I, I have this trip, can you help me out? And they said, yeah, yeah, we'll help you out. And so um, I waited a bit to get the chargers. During that time, I also, crashed the bike um <laughs> just i was being uh dumb and uh forgot it had rained the previous day and and went open throttle at a stoplight uh, on ds tires they're yeah. so torquey uh and the problem with yeah the problem with zeros is uh they're extremely torquey and there's no traction control and so the the rear wheel spun out um i broke the handlebar and had to get that fixed so i got the bike fixed a week before i was set to leave and then uh, Morgan actually came up and I think we met in San Jose and he installed yeah. the fast chargers the day before I left. So also, I hadn't even really tested right. the charger. Or I, I explained it, it to you yeah. in a parking garage. Yeah. Uh, and he said, you know, here's some commands like make sure you don't type in the wrong one or bad things will happen. <laughs> you blow something up. <laughs> and then I said, okay, oh. sure. Yeah. Like, uh, let's see what happens. Um, but basically by day, so day one went pretty smoothly. Got one day of good riding. That was fun. But by day two, the battery started getting really weird. And for an electric motorcycle, you don't want the battery to be weird. Mm -hmm. uh, and so by weird, I mean, um, I would ride like five minutes and go like a couple miles and I'd lose 50% of my mm -hmm. charge. So mm -hmm. like it'd go from 100 down to 50. Mm -hmm. 
And then I'd stop because I'm like, this doesn't seem right. And it would slowly go back up to like 80. Uh, well, and it, it kept like doing this. It sounds like you had an SOC bug. <laughs> it wasn't, but it sounds yeah, like Yeah, yeah. So, mm. so it kept doing this um, for a few days. And th- there was kind of this weird process in my head where I, I at first I was like, okay, well, maybe I can work around this and mm-hmm. like still make it to Alaska. But then as I thought about it, I realized like, if I'm losing 50% after 10 miles, I don't think it's going to add up. <laughs> um, so it was about Eureka, um, where I had limped the bike over the course of a few days, where I realized like it wasn't going to work. And then he had a Eureka moment. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. So I called a bunch of people, uh, including um, Morgan and Brandon and the folks at Zero. Uh, and explained what had happened and they said oh yeah we can ship a battery to Eureka it'll just take a couple weeks (laughs) and I said well you know I'm kind of in the middle of something (laughs) Uh, and so I ended up brokering a weird sort of deal with Zero where they said look if you bring the bike to our headquarters we'll try to help take a look Um, Hmm. and so then I trailered the bike from Eureka down to um Santa Cruz, uh, or actually down to... Because you were were essentially homeless at that point, right? Oh, yeah. The other part of the story... (laughs) Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot. (laughs) I moved... uh, My lease ended, and so I moved out, put all my stuff in storage, and was was homeless. Headed to Alaska. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, kind of weird thought process. Uh, So I... um, (laughs) Zero made me bring the bike back to, to... Diginow to get the chargers removed first because they were paranoid. Uh, and then mm. I went to drop it off in Scotts Valley, so nearby here. Uh, and then I dropped it off on a Friday and they're like, oh yeah, we'll look into it on Monday. And so I said, okay, so I kind of don't have a home. And they're like, oh, well, uh, can you stay nearby? So I just booked like a hotel in Santa Cruz. Um, and it ended up taking five days. And so for five days, I had my, what I call, unexpected vacation to Santa Cruz, <laughs> yeah. uh, where it was fun. And, you know, I did some sightseeing, hung out. Um, but every day I was kind of wondering, like, okay, yeah. you know, am I going to get a bike that works? Yeah. Right. Mm. Um, and eventually after the five days, they uh, called me and said they looked into it. Uh, the battery, I think the, the power tank, so one of the batteries was broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they confirmed it was broken, but had no idea how it got into that state um they, they actually i remember have emails back with them back because they were checking with us to see what had happened and they're like so how long he's, he's been fast charging for months then right and i said no 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 like one day I they, <laughs> yeah. they went oh yeah all right we'll swap the battery then so what, what did, were they able to figure out what it was I, yeah or, i don't know so they, re- they replaced the battery they, they gave me a new battery, battery. Yeah, yeah jim the answer is it was broken so how long did it take you to get from here to anchorage yeah, so um, I it's a good question because I restarted the trip from Santa Cruz, mm-hmm. okay. so literally from wow. here, mm-hmm. uh, and then that took about three, three and a half weeks. Okay. Um, uh, and so at this point, I was already a week and a half into the trip mm-hmm. of time burnt just dealing with this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I realized I can still make it as long as you know nothing else bad happens. Um, and so having a battery fail on the second day isn't a great sign, but I figured, you know, well, not going to get another sabbatical, so I'll, I'll try it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then I restarted the trip, uh, and the second time around, I was able to make it. And so, again, that took about three and a half weeks, uh, about a week of time to get from here to Vancouver. Uh, so that's kind of, I treat here to Vancouver mm-hmm. as the first leg. Uh, and that went pretty smooth. I had plenty of charging uh, stops and uh, even had time to stop in like Portland and Seattle because I, I had some friends up there. 
Um, and then the rest of the trip from Vancouver to Alaska took two, two and a half weeks. Um, and uh, that was when I started to have very long days, but not just because of right. the riding, but also, you know, sitting in the middle of nowhere and babysitting right. my bike while it was charging. Well, and also the fact the sun didn't go down anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. So literally, <laughs> literally very long days. Nice. Um, uh, for about half the trip, um, the sun did set, but it set like after midnight. So effectively, it was always bright out when I was awake. And so how long ago was this? Uh like June July? to July, yeah. So July. I was also hmm. traveling during the like peak sort of like solstice time. Okay, now I just have to know, do you have somewhere to live and do you have a job now? I'm happy to say I have both. Yeah. So I, I did uh I stayed in an Airbnb when I got back and tried to figure my shit out. But um uh as far as the, the job goes, um they were receptive and let me come back. Nice. Well, I love that you're pushing the boundaries, much like, you know, Brandon is trying to, and Terry and all these people. Mm -hmm. And I, I just wanted to uh, circle back to Wendy real quick, because you were a zero dealer, um, and, and you were, you're so involved with racing. How do you see the electric being part of racing? Is this the future? Oh, I hope so. Um, the Formula One's using hybrids. Uh, mm. They have a E class, you know, cars. Mm -hmm. um, the motorcycles are, you know, always been the redheaded stepchild mm -hmm. of of the motor yep. industry. Sorry, Brandon. <laughs> yep, yep. I, I feel the pain. <laughs> You're redheaded. <laughs> <laughs> very, very perceptive. <laughs> Good job, Jim. Um, yeah, no, no, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I had an opportunity to race an electric bike. Yeah. Which one? Um, it was just a homemade deal. <laughs> oh, the best guy. Uh, that is homemade. That's all. Did you have any okay. fires? Um, no, the guy actually bailed on me. Uh. <laughs> Once another another one of my wonderful stories where nothing happens. Uh. Um, but I did race a zero at an indoor. Um, so how how does it, that feel racing the electric? Was it a completely different foreign experience, or did it I, I feel love, natural? I actually loved it, and okay, I'll tell yeah. you what I tried a Rokon uh, when I in like 1974, oh, yeah. and uh, automatic. You turn the throttle on, and the thing went, and I just thought that is the coolest thing ever. And now we've got the electric to do that. Uh, only it puts the power right to the ground. Mm. Nice. So, do you want to try and uh, w do you still go on the track on two wheels? I would. Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. yeah. Mm. So you th you think an electric? You'd, would, I, I would it for you. I would attempt a, an electric uh, race for sure. Because I'm sure you know there's some I, people I, in the room that can make I have that a happen. Bike. I have leathers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is a Do match this. made in heaven. Although I don't, I don't see I anybody raising their hand to race her. <laughs> don't make eye contact. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, we might be able to make something happen. That Let's would be make pretty this happen, cool. Yes. And, I'm in. And so, um, so Corey, are you going to plan any more long trips? Um, yeah, definitely. Uh Probably will be so hard you to... didn't learn your lesson. <laughs> no. No. Okay. All right. Um, if anything, I probably learned a bad habit that if I just wing it, things might. Things oh, Henry's might, uh, even. Bye, Henry. Bye, Henry. Bye, Henry. Bye, Henry. Bye, Henry. 
I just wing it, things will find a way, which uh, I might have just gotten very lucky and second time could do me in, but... <laughs> That's a good attitude to have, though. Right. One, one, oh, one um, thing I really found fascinating about this whole thing was that he did this, went out and did it, and didn't tell anyone. Like, oh, I'm just going to go out and do this, and then afterward he was done. No announcement, just, what, you did it? Yeah, he did a, a lovely write-up of it, but it's not like, I just did a world-first type thing and didn't tell anyone, because yeah, no, bi- no big deal. <laughs> what? Well, effectively, like... You did the uh, the long way round thing, but all on your own and completely solo. Without, yeah, yeah. Or technically the long way up. Long way. Up. <laughs> that would be one mm. thing that he did for sure. <laughs> so I'm curious because I think we're, we're, we're it's time to get around to the question. Wendy has been prepped for this. Corey hasn't. Ha So Corey, I'm just going to give you oh a quick prep. Uh, the question relax. we're about to ask. That's all you need is, to know. Just relax. And, and, and this is what I'm curious because Wendy is somebody with just let it happen. Decades of experience, <laughs> who's ridden some of the you know top bikes in the world at the time. Um, but Corey, you're new to riding, and this is your only bike. Have you ridden? Uh, I had a, a BMW 310R for a few months before that. So okay. two bikes. Two bikes. All right. So the question we're about to ask you is, what is your up the butt bike? That yes. means what bike that do you look at and you go, oh, I'd take it up the butt for that. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm very curious because we're got two ends of the spectrum experience wise here. Mm-hmm. Two ends. So should we start? Should we start with? It's a double ender. <laughs> Corey, do you, is there a bike that you look at and you just go, oh, yeah? What is your up the butt bike? I think I think I have I have two. Um, if I'm if I'm allowed okay. to, if I'm allowed oh, to, yeah, t- no, to do it twice, dirty boy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You know if I can pay the price. Yeah, you can. Well, you're gonna have to do it twice, darling. Yeah. So just well, you yeah, could do them at the same it. time. It'd be worth it. Hey, Corey, I'll be gentle. <laughs> no, she won't. All right. So what no, what bikes what bikes do you, is it for you? Um, yeah. So one of them's the. Lightning LS218. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I don't know a ton about it, but the idea that there is an electric bike out there that can go like that absurdly fast mm-hmm. um, just kind of tickles my my. Uh, I got something. news for you. Any electric bike can go that fast if you know the right people. Mm, that's <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's um, the next and one? And so the other one's the the... BMW S thousand RR. Ooh, that's nice a good bike. one. The pirate bike. bike. Oh, you should have you should have oh, yeah. been here Fire. last week. You'll have oh, to listen there? to our podcast oh, okay. last week. Well, the world's fastest BMW rider mm-hmm. was here. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, what did she say? What did Aaron get up to? Two thirty-eight. Two thirty-eight. Fed one ninety-seven naked. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yes. <laughs> rider or bike. <laughs> well, let's let's yes. keep it mysterious. Yeah. Yeah. Hunter, Hunter Sills Racing. So great, great choice. But that RR, that's like as much power as you mm-hmm. could ever want. Mm-hmm. Wait, it's it's 200 horsepower and BMW wow. spent Fuck. so much time making that 200 horsepower yeah. usable. Wait, I rode that thing at Laguna and it was like, holy moly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just like... Yeah, it, Brandon, are you wrapping your head around that one? That that's more than my ego. Yeah, like <laughs> like the energetic oh. ego. Uh, other my my regular ego is pretty big too. But hey, and Brandon, her uh, bike has nitrous also. What? Yes. Oh yeah! Wow! So I mean, I want to meet this lady. It has its own ECU. <laughs> the nitrous has its own ECU. Yes, wow. it's not like hit yes. the button, bang! It's all being delivered Programmed. in spurts. Yeah. Oh, I wow, like the idea of hitting the horn button. I know, I yes. know, I know. <laughs> all right. Wendy, what is your up-the-butt bike? Okay, I was told that I could not 
mention my own bike. Uh, but <laughs> or how she acquired it. Since, since we're talking BMW, my first thought was... Uh, my S one thousand XR. That's I, a great bike. Yeah. I, I love that. They're in line four, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. But um, if I have my choice, I think it's got to be the seventy nine Honda CBX. Oh, God. oh, what a great bike! Oh. Yeah, it's, it's an, it was an, such a nostalgic time, and mm-hmm. to me, if you want a bike that really screamed late seventies. It's got to be the CBX. What, what paint did that come in? What color was it? Came that? in silver, silver or cherry red, uh-uh. and there was just it's it's seventies. Skinny tires. It's all engine. Yeah. It's just an engine with a wheel at either end of it, and it it's such a bloody marvelous looking bike. So Wendy, recently um, Emma and I had an opportunity. We were down in Southern California. Yep. At Honda headquarters. HQ headquarters and Q. They let us into the vault. We saw more than one CBX being stashed in there. You know, Honda are yeah, very, pretty very cool. proud of of their their hallmark bikes, and the CBX was very much a flagship of the mm-hmm. time. Um, have you have you, you ridden one? Absolutely. Uh, have you I, raced one? I, no, but my brother did. Oh, oh wow. yeah. Well, you know, you kept saying us, us this whole time, and I didn't even ask. So your brother was a racer too. Was he as successful as you? Um, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> Is he your little brother or bigger brother? He's my little brother. Okay. A little bit of sibling rivalry, perhaps. Um, he 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 did beat me at one race. Uh, we were at, we were at, <laughs> and he'll never let you forget I, yeah, about it. The uh, was a, the old Las Vegas track. It's not the one that's there now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we uh, I, we actually pulled in late, and we were way too cheap to buy tires because I had this <laughs> set of really hard tires that would not wear out. So my brother, uh, that, so. that is my theory. The best tires are the forty-year-old ones. I'll never wear out. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, he had brand new tires, and we, we were one and two all the way to the end. And I'm like, I got to get him on the last corner. And we caught slower traffic, and I just got just that much time behind somebody mm. else. I couldn't catch him. Mm. Oh, man. But he did beat me. But I love that you and your brother used to ride around together and, and race together. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So not only do you have cool parents, you've got a cool brother. Yeah, absolutely. The family that rides together stays together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. Well, and again, I wanted to thank both of you for coming in and sharing your stories. Wendy, we have to get you back in because I know there's more dirt in there. (laughs) I know. I want to get more dirt out of you. Okay. I'll be back. Please. I mean, there's so much for your story that needs to be told. Remind everyone of Wendy's name? Wendy Epstein. I want everyone to remember Soon that to be name. A household name. You are a badass chick. Oh, God almighty, yes. <laughs> Jim, you got to go? I'm out of here. Yep. Hey, I'll, I'll see you at 5 in the morning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jim goes, there's a 5 in the morning? <laughs> yeah, check me tonight, but yes. All, All right, right I'll check him with you. Yeah. Smell you later, Jimbo. Uh, yes, I wanted to say thanks to Jim, who did say he would give me a ride to the airport after my parents <laughs> said, screw you, when I asked them. Just so you know. Nice. All right, I'll talk to you later, Jim. All right, see you. So um, I've, we've got a couple emails to get to. 
Yeah. Yeah, he needs to go home. Get ready. We are PS pick me up at five in the morning <laughs> to get to the airport. Exactly. But we got a couple emails and um the some of these are asking for advice. Wendy, you sound like you've got a long history and you may be able to help us mm. on this one. This one is titled 1979 CB650 Cafe and Electronics. Caf. Uh, Caf. Who's it it from? This is from Andrew Lambert. And where's Andrea? Andrew. Andrew. And... Okay. Gmail. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Hello, Misfits. My name is Andrew, and I'm from northern Minnesota. Oh, sure. So I have an accent mixed of a Canadian and a character from Fargo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. recently discovered your podcast and been happily catching up (laughs) on the catalog of content while building and testing electronics at my day job. A. A few months back... I picked up a 79 Honda CB650, yeah, that I had already been modified to a cafe racer, which is what I was looking for, and a killer price of $1,400. Only 1400 bucks. A bargain. Wow. A veritable bargain. Since riding a bit, I probably rebuild it this, I'll probably rebuild it this winter, changing a few things, like the bars, so I sit up a bit more and, and can be a bit more comfortable for longer than half an hour at a time. You know, <laughs> I already, <laughs> you know, I already, um, let's see. Oh, yeah. So I already added some rear sets from Cognito Moto and made it better for my long legs being 6'2". Another mod I'd like to add this winter when I can't ride is to do a total rewire using Moto Gadget's M unit blue that will turn it keyless keyless by connecting it to my phone via bluetooth yeah, that's oh, what mike sure. did that's wow. what mike did his heart hey, sure. loves it. it's a simplified wiring schematic on top of adding smart capabilities hmm. my question for all you misfits what are your thoughts on this tech device and what are your opinions on adding this level of tech to an old school bike Plus, I always hear about the coveted 500s and 750s, but rarely ever hear about the 650s. Like me, they're the forgotten, redheaded middle child of the family. <laughs> Amen, brother. Love the podcast. I want to make it to Cali. I'd like to check out the garage. It sounds like a very cool vibe with some shenanigans to keep some light and fun. Yeah. Keep up the good work. Some shenanigans. For, so, Andrew, so what do you guys think of these... Uh, these newfangled wiring. First off, the accent is as good as anything Nock has ever done. <laughs> yes, that was good. No, it's definitely it's definitely to Nock standard. Heard a little bit of accurate in there. Oh yeah. Wendy, did did you get involved in any of these M units? I I just fitted one to uh, Mike Miranda's chop. Um, we had uh, Martech ignition. Um, sponsor us. They don't, I don't believe they exist anymore. Right. Um, shout out. but you know my opinion is we've we've learned a lot about electronics and how amps move around Mm -hmm. a wiring harness since that bike rolled off the line introducing modern technology on an old dinosaur like that is it's just great and to prove my point half of the hot rods being built now cars 
have got electronic ignition. Mm. Um, half of them have got fuel injection. Mm-hmm. It's definitely the way to go. And, and just to clarify, this is where you just have one wire and telekinesis. Yeah, this, this is yes. key, keyless, okay. keyless operation. Telekinesis to operate everything. <laughs> yes, exa- yeah. it's magic. So, it's but, a magic so box. Is it hard getting the implant in your brain? No. Okay. <laughs> well, my, my thought is I, I'm concerned about the security involved with that because if it's just using Bluetooth to to pair you know pair your bike to somebody's phone, I mean, what safeguards are there to keep somebody else? You need a dog. Bagel. Phone? Bagel. You need, you need the a... safeguard is you make your bike as ugly as possible. <laughs> yes. And then you put a lamp switch on it to yeah. take it. Uh, Nobody yeah. will steal that bike. This is true. That is work. That is work for not. I'm offended. No, actually, this was, <laughs> this was my bike. He's actually. It, it was his bike. We had. A... <laughs> Literally, had, I had a pull start electric. Yeah. And has it been stolen? No, I shipped. I sold it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, what do you guys think? Is this the way to go? Do it. There you go. Do it. I was Makes amazed. Um, like I say, uh, Misfit Mike mm-hmm. is building the new chopper. Am I allowed to say the name of it? Uh, yeah. I think it's out there. He's building Captain, Captain Crunch. Crunch. Yeah. Um, the Harley. <laughs> and he bought an M unit for it. And of course, you know, I'm like, what the hell is this thing? And all the instructions are in German. But then the, the, the instructions are in English on the other side of the page. Oh, so that's hey. great. And it was actually, it was, it was a great unit. It's really well thought out. And you can do so much with it and it bypasses so much it bypasses the regulator rectifier the fuse sparks Mm, mm. the um cdi unit everything it all goes through the m unit it's amazing so do it um it's a chunky bypasses the cdi for real no no i don't think it will on that bike yeah um but it's a chunk of money. Yeah. I mean, I think the basic M unit, you buy the basic M unit, it's like 400 bucks. Yeah. And then you wow. do all your add-ons, like the Bluetooth and the keyless and da-da-da. See, I mean, you're going to be mm-hmm. spending six or 700 bucks on it, and you've got your little switches that you've got to do. Yeah. But for something like a cafe bike, it's perfect. Because all these cafe guys, mm-hmm. they're all looking for real estate. Because it's a cafe bike, so you're not allowed side panels. Mm-hmm. And you've got a tiny little seat, so you need tiny little battery, and you need to hide all the electrics, maybe under the tank, or maybe under the seat, or even in the headlight. <laughs> so the less room things take, the better it is. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, it's a great idea. Awesome. Do it. There you go. So. Tra-la-la. Bagel. What yes. have you got there? Uh, I have an email from Doug. Hey, Doug. And uh, Doug says, greeting to all the misfits. Stop. Where is Doug from? Uh, does not. Oh, wait. Actually, it says he, does, he is from Richmond, California. Oh, oh very good. Carry dude. on. Then. Not right. an accent. Yeah. Oh. So, Doug mm. says. You have to say dude every four Dude. dude. All right on, bro. Yeah. Dude. And fella. It's not like from Santa Cruz. <laughs> 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 Doug, Doug writes, hello to all. <laughs> I'm a first-time writer and hey. have been listening for a while. I'm a Patreon subscriber. Thank you very much. And enjoy very, very much listening to your podcast as I commute to work. I wanted to write and let you know that your podcast that that your podcast it really does inspire people. I had always thought about doing some of my own maintenance on my various bikes, but not until Miss Emma and the gang bestowing their knowledge and stories uh, in stories to the listening public did I gain the confidence to do some work myself. Mm-hmm. No, 
choice. My current bike <clears throat> is a 2007 Aprilia Tuono, mm-hmm. and they are known for electrical gremlins in the stator re- slash rectifier. Mm-hmm. It was not until the various podcasts recently that I gained the confidence to do some of this work myself. You can see from the pictures just how burned and charred the stator was. It does look rather crispy. Uh, <laughs> it says, Today, I successfully removed my front wheel and replaced warped rotors. Yeah. I wanted to also thank Miss Emma for her constant vigilance about being safe and double-checking everything when you have your hands dirty in the bike. Good call. As I was cleaning the calipers with soap, water, and an old toothbrush, I found a stuck piston. Through some elbow grease, I was able to free it. Thank you again for all that you do. My bike history is a 1984 Kawasaki KZ650, a Hyosung 650, and my Aprilia Tuono now. I hope to make it down to Santa Cruz very soon and hang out with you all one Sunday. Thanks again. Yeah, Richmond's not that far away. Yeah, Yeah. you'll get a warm welcome if you do. Well done, mate. Yeah, thanks, Doug. Come on down. All right, Emma, we got time for one more. Okay, I have an email here from David, and David is in Bend, Oregon. And what people don't realize yeah. about Bend, Oregon, <laughs> there is quite an English community there, so I'm just going to carry on as I am. Um, Brilliant. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> hey there, Miss Emma. Look, it's addressed to me. Yeah. Um, I finally got my 1990 VX800 on the road. Oh, that's a good bike. I love those things. I bought it for 400 bucks with supposedly bad big end. Turns out it was only a blown head gasket. Mm. That might be a similar noise. Um, I rebuilt the top end very good. New rings, cylinders honed, mm. gasket mating surfaces chaved, valve seat cut, new gaskets everywhere. I did everything except the machine work myself. Not bad for a chef. Mm-hmm. Well, how's your hollandaise sauce, mate? That's my question to you. Uh, day old, according to Wendy. Yes, day old hollandaise. Not good. Um, it runs great. The problem is it smokes on startup. The smoking goes away once more. Mm-hmm. The only thing I didn't do w- to the top end was new valve guides. Um, Did this bite me in the ass? Could a yeah. valve, uh, valve guide seal have come loose somehow? Mm-hmm. Should I go back in? I'm not relishing the idea of pulling this motor again. Okay, so let's talk about oil in the combustion chamber. Because mm. you don't want it there. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the... How much time have we got? 30 seconds. Okay. (laughs) You're going to pull your motor down. Um, I... Unfortunately, Dave, I think I know what you've done. You didn't gap your rings, mate. Yeah, mm. I was going to say you overboarded. Oh. Did he gap his rings? Or? Yeah, you didn't. Get, I'm. I and this is the most overlooked thing on engine rebuilds. You think mm-hmm. I bought new rings? Um, I got the cylinders honed, and you didn't gap your rings. What this basically means is you take your rings. You stick them an inch down into the ball without the piston, and then you measure the gap. And the general rule of thumb is you want about three thou of a gap per inch of ball. Now, a VX800 has got just under a three-inch ball, so you want like a seven-eight thou gap in there. The chances are it's going to be too small. And the only way you can do it is you take the ring out and you file it until you get that gap. And you don't wow. over-file it. And you've got to do that for every ring. And if you bought genuine rings, he's got a multi-piece bottom ring, which means you've got the top and bottom oil ring, and then you've got the expander in the middle. The little wafer? The little wafer. Yeah. A wafer thin mint. <laughs> and that's what you did. I can, I can tell pretty yeah. much. The good news is... I'm going to tell you a dodge, and it's it's not the th- greatest thing in the world. Pull the breathers off. 
That bike breathes into the airbox. Just pull the breathers off and let it breathe to th- breathe to air, hmm. and the smoke may go away. Hmm. Interesting. Is that thing uh, nickel? It's it's just a no. Thing? It's just regular ball. Okay, yeah. VX eight hundred yeah. is basically an intruder that's dressed up like a standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They're okay. fantastic <laughs> bikes because they've got this great VX eight hundred intruder engine, which is a really really good engine, and it's quite unusual for a cruiser because normally cruisers you've got the front cylinder faces forwards mm-hmm. and then the back cylinder faces back, so they share an intake. VX800s aren't like that. Mm. Both the cylinders face forward. So you've got exhaust sticking out the front and carburetor sticking out the back on both front and rear. So the rear carburetor is kind of under the seat. Mm-hmm. And then the front carburetor is kind of under the middle of the gas tank. They're amazing bike. It's a parallel twin? It's a V-twin. It's a V-twin. But it's, it's a V, a- but it's a standard. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, but it's kind of a modern kind of... It looks like something George Jetson would ride around mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And they they didn't sell for shit. But they're great bikes. One of the best bikes Suzuki ever did. And the styling was literally one-off. And the, the styling reappeared a few years later for the very, very last GSX 1100s. And they put a shaft drive on the back of a big um, Jixxer engine and did kind of standard bodywork, oh, and it looked cool. very, very similar. But it's a cool-looking bike, but, yeah, I'm sorry, mate. Pull your breathers off, um, ride it around for a week or so. If the smoke goes away, leave your breathers off. If it doesn't go away, you've got to pull it down, get those rings. Where do you say he is again? Bend, Oregon. Apparently, uh, the English would be a large British community. Well, yes, no, 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 no. A large so, British community. So it's it's coming in the fall now, which means this will be your winter project. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. you already pulled mm. the engine once, uh-huh. Dave. You're an yeah. expert now. <laughs> exactly. So um, I want to give a big thanks to uh, all the misfits who are going to be running the show as, as the I'm shoe, gone. The really big mm. show. I appreciate y'all stepping up, and I, I, you know, I've said it before, but I really love the fact that this is isn't you know necessarily my show that i can leave and go do stuff and these are actually my favorite shows when i'm not here i can't wait for them to come out oh we enjoy it far more when you're not here (laughs) (laughs) awesome so yeah um i'm leaving tomorrow gonna go pick up my indian and uh start riding gonna be down at the aim expo on friday and who's supplying that indian do you want to give them a shout out Indian. Yeah, I know Indian. (laughs) (laughs) Who is is supplying the bike from the dealership? It's Indian. I thought you were getting it from Hollister Motorsports. No. They're actually shipping it out to you? It's Indian. I know it's yeah. Indian, but yeah. I thought, Indian. Yeah. You know, I she's it, kind of a big deal. She doesn't have to go through dealers. She you know, the other big like, deal actually, is... Wait, wait, wait. Um, the other big deal is Wendy Epstein, a household Wendy name. Wendy Epstein. Wendy Epstein. <laughs> no, and actually, I'm going to be visiting the factory in oh, Spirit Lake, fantastic. Iowa. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you're actually picking it up from the factory. Nope. Cool They're that? shipping it out to Boston. Who is? Oh, fantastic. Indian. 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 <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to the AIM Expo. I know Phil is going to be there nice. yeah and the guys and i'm i'm hoping some a lot of our other friends are going to be there maybe terry at scully i'm not sure scully uh but i'm looking forward to, uh, to spending some time gonna meet uh aaron sills there yes and a, a lot of the other uh women uh Haley will be there and i was gonna say me. Haley's coming mm-hmm. out um very soon is she here yet no she's meeting me in boston tomorrow fantastic mm. nice. uh, i i 
I'm going to be going to legal seafood for dinner. I can't wait. Mm. And then I know this is off topic, but when I, I lived in Boston in my 20s and I was poor as shit. And one of my friends from California came to visit and took me out to dinner to legal seafood, which is, you know, it's a it's a it's called small legal, chain legal, legal seafood. It's like, a chain of seafood restaurants <laughs> in Boston. It, and that was like, like the first okay Chinese. Food? That was like, like, no, no. It's like like passes lobster, certification. Barbecue. Lobster, right. <laughs> and, but that when you're poor and you're in your early 20s. Oh, and then somebody yeah. takes you out to a nice restaurant for dinner. I know that feeling, and like, dude. I know it was it such a big deal that. to me. And then when I got a little more established and had money and actually went to legal seafood by myself to have dinner. Mm-hmm. And it was like such an accomplishment like, that I had made it. it. Uh-huh. And move. so for me, it's a big deal all these years decades later to go back and I'm going to go have dinner Le- there again. You're still broke as shit. <laughs> I know how seriously you take seafood because I have seen I, I have seen you <laughs> cut up rough with a five pound lobster oh, yeah. whoa, 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 oh, yeah. whoa 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 did you know no, there's a whole no, YouTube no, thing no, no stop no, stop no, no. we gotta get no. Liza on, on YouTube stop. eating crab no <laughs> so um yeah we're gonna be doing a lot of really cool stuff I can't wait to hit the road and meet all the women right go we're gonna be stopping along the way at a lot of Indian dealerships Indian. Oh, thank you. And uh, I'm going to be back <laughs> in the area October 5th, where I'm going to sleep in my bed. I'll be here for 12 hours. Well, of course, there's the, uh, the maybe big, no. Eight there's hours. the big party on the fourth. Big party up at uh, Moto Guild. Now, who can go to the party? Anyone. In- Indian. So there you Anyone. go. <laughs> so if and you're in the Bay Area, October 4th. October 4th. Mm-hmm. 6.30 onwards and the Motor Guild of course is famously mm-hmm. on Treasure Island and on October 5th we're having a party at Deus Ex Machina in LA oh cool nice. again anyone can come on out to that so um, a lot of stuff been working on we're still going to be doing a day of dirt in Colorado can't wait to go do that cool. got some dirt bikes lined up for us we're going to ride with Bettina Nettle who was Jocelyn's teammate right. at the GS Trophy Sweet. Yeah, so to me, this is a real, uh, almost like a bucket list trip. All these things that I've planned, going to the AMA Museum. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, in where, I, where I get to see your, your dad yeah, featured. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love know. the museum. I yeah, know. I love that place. I know. So I'm looking forward. I'm going to be reporting from the road a bit, uh, but I'll be gone for three weeks. So Fantastic. you guys will well, be running the show. Ride safe. Keep that bat on safe. We will see you on the night of 4th. Mm-hmm. Um, I am hoping a lot of our listeners will come out and join us at Motor Guild mm-hmm. and at Deus Ex Machina mm-hmm. All right, in L.A. All right, for sure. Um, it's going to be great. Yeah. And um, uh, in wrapping up, I want to give one final shout out to Lefty and Red. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Some listeners came by today. They were so excited to come uh, see the garage and talk to us. And it was really cool to hang out with them. Uh, Lefty's a really cool dude. He's got a lot of bikes. He's got some really cool vintage Harleys. Yeah, he does. And some, some modern stuff, too. So One that's Harley a... That has a connection to our podcast, too. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. we we got to get him into... Yes, we do. You know that... They're, they're living here in California. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. got to get him back. So shout out, hey, Lefty and Red. It was great meeting you today. On and that... I think Red was called Red because of the color of her hair. Oh, ginger. is that what Another it was? ginger. I think so. Yes, yes. Oh, what a ginger. ginger. I can't wait to disappoint you, Liza. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> motorcyclesandmisfits.com. That's the place to go to get all your info. And, uh, you know, I'm going to do... Um, 
I'm going to ask a favor of our listeners. I'm going to ask everyone, share, share. If you like what you're listening to, share. So many new people have yeah. been learning about our show from other people sharing it with them. So I'm going to ask you, especially if you're on Facebook and you see us uh, do the post on the Recycle page, go ahead and share it. I'd love for more people to um, to find us who have that same passion that we do to share is to care there you go <laughs> all right well, so uh, tune in next week for the emma show <laughs> co-starring <laughs> bagel and, two. Knock and whoever else we can dredge <laughs> up three weeks of scooters <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> over my dead body <laughs> okay on that note i think we're ready to get out of here thank you to our guests for coming by and staying with yeah, us what I hope a you had great fun. Show. thank you for yeah. having me yeah thank Thank you. Yeah, yeah. thanks for being Exactly. Here. And thank you to all of our listeners, especially our Patreon supporters. Who are the we bestest you. people. Exactly. Yes. And Indian. And Indian. <laughs> and Law Tigers. <laughs> wow. They're great. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't think you can legally say that because it is not copyrighted. Oh, shut up. Oh, no, no, no. Just say it, Knock, they're a law firm. <laughs> they know what they're doing. <laughs> Thank you. They're a law firm. They can do what they want. And let me tell you, that voice of Tony, he died. And Tony the and Tiger. He's and dead. It doesn't count anymore. That's all he rules. It doesn't count anymore. Now, and the new saying? Tony the Tiger is nowhere near as cool. He's not like, cool. Is he like, is he like, raw? They're great. <laughs> no, I mean, he's like, they're no, more of just, the knock accents. They're legal like seafood. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's get out of here, man. All right. All right. On that note, let's get out of here. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This is Liza. Sarah. Bagel. Emma Darling. Wendy Epstein. Corey Sobel. Morgan. Brandon. Rawr. <laughs> <laughs> and we're out of here. <laughs> <laughs>